0: Good morning, it's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Well, that one's in the books. BYU scheduled another game on short notice and lost another game on short notice. They went to Coastal Carolina and got beaten in football. They went to Gonzaga and got beaten in basketball. Oh, but in basketball, it's totally different, right? They weren't having a perfect season, and Gonzaga is, and Gonzaga's number one. And honestly, you probably would have lost to him no matter when and where you played him. So play them now and open up a date later. Maybe you can get another game in there. You fall to 9-3. and three, You lose by 17 at Gonzaga. Well, Gonzaga's blowing everybody out. They've been blowing out ranked teams. They went through it all on the broadcast. Uh, you know, you go in hoping for a game, but man, that broadcast crew, they clearly went in hoping for a game, I'm sure, but completely prepared if they got a blowout. And Gonzaga started fast and was up 30-10 to 10, midway through the first half. 30-10. to 10. They were tripling the Cougars, and I thought BYU did a good job of hanging in there, playing hard, trying to do the right thing, and they made a little bit of a run, and so they were only getting doubled up. <laughs> it was and then Gonzaga went on a run and pulled away. 86 69 the final. It was 52 to 29 at halftime. And if you're looking for an explanation, I think the one you need to go with is Gonzaga's that good. They got all the pieces of the puzzle. They got size. They got some athleticism. They got some shooting. They got you just go down the list. You go down the list. They 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 can do it. They can and that's why they've beaten so many ranked teams. And that's why they haven't just beaten them. They've Blown most of them out. I mean, they've just been so convincing. They didn't shoot the three that well against BYU, um, but they were all right at the free throw line. They were good from the floor, forty nine percent. You know, when you shoot that well, there aren't a lot of offensive rebounds to be had. They only turned the ball over eight times. (laughs) Jeez, they uh, just—they were really good. So they beat BYU, and there you go. Uh, it'll be back to the Jazz tonight as the Jazz go to Milwaukee to play the Bucks, And uh, the Bucks are coming in 5-3. They're on a little three-game uh, win streak. The Jazz uh, trying to get it going after back-to-back losses in New York. You know, really disappointing. On paper, you think they're going to win. You know, and this keeps happening around the league. And is it the bizarreness of not having crowds? Is it the short... Um, season is, you know, what is it? Uh, San Antonio went in and beat the Lakers, 118-109. Uh, LeBron James and Anthony Davis had decent stat lines. Uh, so did Kuzma. Maybe Montrezl Harrell off the bench gave him something. And other than that, there were a bunch of guys who gave him very little. Not You know, Dennis Schroeder was a big offseason pickup. Three for 11 shooting, 0 for 3 from 3. Only had two assists, had two turnovers. I mean, just, eh. Gasol, Marcusol playing 14 minutes, four points and a rebound, three turnovers in 14 minutes? Mark, what are you doing? You know, you just go down the line. It's pretty disappointing for them. And San, and San Antonio came out shooting threes. I mean, they were just drilling them early in the game. I think they started eight of ten, finished up hitting 46% of them for the game, only missed one free throw. Sure didn't, didn't give any points away there. And they, they call them free throws for a reason. You gotta make them and yeah, they were 16 to 17. And that's and often uh, a sign of how mentally dialed in you are. Coaches will tell you that. And the Lakers are 13 to 21. They, they left a lot of points at the free throw line. So this stuff is happening because in no world are the Spurs better than the Lakers. I mean, that's just not happening. Um, and then there was another goofy score last night. Um, Philly, best record in the NBA, it's 7 1, gets beat by Brooklyn. And you want to say, oh, the same team that beat the Jazz. Mm, Yeah, the same team. If you don't count Kyrie Irving, he didn't play. And apparently there's uh, personal reasons. So he's going to miss the Nets game uh, tonight. And didn't bother Brooklyn. They went out and they went 122 to 109. You know, one thing that happens when stars go away is all the other guys get more shots. Now, over the course of 8 to 10 to 12 games, that's not going to carry it, but man, for one or two nights it's a lot of emotion. Guys get fired up like, hey, I get to be the guy tonight. I mean, Levert took 25 shots. Here's a pop quiz question for you. If Duran and Irving are playing, does Levert take 25 shots? <laughs> if I gave you 15, would you take the over or the under? I think you'd take the under. <laughs> Harris came off the bench and took 19 shots. <laughs> and he hit him too. He had 28 points. I mean, that's a game. 11 and 19, uh, absolutely crushing it from three. Joe Harris was six of nine. I mean, have a game. So you just never know. I mean, there's uh, it was a light night. Thursday night usually is uh, with the national TV package. They usually don't put a lot of games on. And the Spurs went in and beat the Lakers, and Brooklyn went in and beat Phoenix. So good luck figuring that out, right? Uh, all right, DJ and PK, we've got to take a break. That's a little bit of the basketball. we got more basketball to come, actually, coming up next. Um, we're going to talk with uh, the TV voice of the Utah Jazz, Craig Bolojag, and get his thoughts on those losses in New York. and. How it's working out broadcasting, especially with the monster trucks in the building this weekend. <laughs> Talk with Bowler about that. Uh, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Bowler's coming up next and then college football with BYU's new passing game coordinator, Fessy Sataki later in the hour. So stay with us.
1: Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Hey, let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show.
0: Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time to check in with the TV voice of the Utah Jazz, Craig Bowlerjack. He came on late in yesterday's show, so he'll drop the last night's referencing the Brooklyn game, but you get it. But, you know, his takeaway on what is going on, uh, where does the leadership come from to turn it around? What is the single biggest problem facing the Jazz? A lot of people see different stuff. Some see the shooting, some see the X's and O's, some see the turnover. Uh you know, some people say the, the Bizarro nature of the year. There's a lot of theories. we got a poll question up. We can get to that later this morning. Uh, but get Bowler's take uh, from late in yesterday's show. Here's Craig Bowlerjack. Bowler's weekly interview presented by University of Utah Health, trusted health care provider for the Utah Jazz family, and yours. Bowler, good morning.
2: Hello. Hello, DJ, PK. Hello. Hey, can you do me a favor? Can you lift me up and just say, sing Learn to Fly? Something like that, huh?
3: Go ahead, DJ. No,
0: singing is your role, man. We got like two drops of me singing and a hundred of you
2: singing. You're Tom Petty, man, as far as I'm concerned.
3: Oh, there's a million songs I could sing and probably several by – uh, Tom Petty, one of his yeah. favorite, one of my favorite tunes of his, "Need to Know," and Craig Bowlerjack, "I Need to Know." What's the problem? <laughs> uh, that's weird. I was going to go with "Free
2: Fallen, but that would have been free kind of a fallin'. downer. Yeah, that's yeah. A, yeah, a downer. But yeah, I, you know what, PK, I wish you had all the answers. I, I really thought, you know, after the Brooklyn game and what Donovan said in the locker room, you know, was uh, very uh, poignant and direct for you know a uh, 24 year old young leader of the franchise. You know, we got to decide, you know, who are we? And I still don't, I don't think, obviously, they still know. You know, after last night for a half, I thought they, they knew. Uh, boy, they played well. And the bench came, and uh, Clarkson and Joe uh, really, really sparked uh, the Jazz in the second quarter. Um, you know, you, you lead by 18, you have a 12-point lead at the half. And then the second quarter, I don't know what happened at halftime. I mean, it was like, you know, Tom Thibodeau, you know, got the attention of this young New York team with a couple of guys they have a lot of hope for and and Randall and and Barrett and Peyton, um, and they just took it off. I mean, when you look at, you know, the scoreboard, my scorecard, Mitchell and Boyan and Clarkson, all three did not score in the third quarter, and they just got whipped. And then you start playing uphill again, and you lose all the confidence that you had built, and you're back to kind of square one again. I mean, Clarkson kind of reignited in the fourth quarter, but, uh, you know, you lost by 12 uh, back-to-back losses in in New York. So, again, you could tell uh, Quinn took a long time in the locker room to come out last night, and obviously they've got to work through some. I don't know if it's it's not shooting. I, I really believe the shots are there. It's just the intensity they play the game with and the the intensity and the consistency that you have to have in this league, PK and DJ. and I think there's just these lapses that absolutely paralyze the Jazz and then they look up and they have to play again from behind. And that's, that's really what has been the biggest thing that I've seen.
0: So the thing I've been beating into the ground, and PK's probably sick of it, is the turnovers, especially oh, the yeah. turnovers that are happening two steps across midcourt, the number of different players who are losing the ball while dribbling 35 or 40 feet from the hoop. And it's just, it's just one-on-one. It's very routine. There's, there's no X's and O's. There's no trick to it. And, and they're just losing the ball, and it's a layup or dunk going the other way. It's, uh, it's blowing my mind.
2: Yeah, no, you're right. You had seven between uh, the two guards last night and uh, Donovan and Conley and then Joe had four. You know, it is uh, it's it is strange, isn't it, when you you can almost see it. It's telegraphed and they come across and make, I don't think, you know, I've always been told, and you go back to basic basketball, the old two-chest pass, and if you're going to pass a ball, you make sure you put, you know, that you get it there. And it doesn't, you know kind of find itself lost in space, so to speak. And those are just, you know, concentration plays that are costly because you, you said it, um, you know, you give it up at half court or after the first couple of bounces as you try to get in a mid, you know, to, to, to the uh, front court and you pass it off. The guy picks it off and just run it to the rim. Easy baskets. And there was too many of those last night as well. But yeah, turnovers would be the other part of this. Uh, is the consistency. Now you go focus, concentration. And those sound simple, but I don't know if it's fatigue. I don't know if it's uh, the mind games of what the world is today. Don't know. Just don't know. But it's got to be fixed or you're going to have a rough go
3: so we as fans we get caught up and dj likes to talk about how we ride the roller coaster and i can't argue with him even though i love to argue but obviously he's right and you maybe not this year but you've been around the players for so many years and the coaches and all that how much did they get caught up in a roller coaster
2: that's a great question, P.K. I, I tell you, they they always speak the speak or the player. You know, you always say coach speak, player speak. Look, there's always that, I think, built-in mechanism of, look, we're good. Uh, what was Ricky Rubio? Never too high, never too low. And, I, you know, I think to keep your sanity to some, to, to some degree, P.K., you have to take on that mentality. But at the same time, you know, when game time comes, I think all fans always believe that you've got to be focused. And, you know, you get into this pace-scale discussion of how can they not be. But you know what? Still, the human factor plays a factor, right? Uh, yesterday's events, I don't know how it impacted uh, some some teams before we went on the air last night. I was reading that some that were considering not to play, some decided to play, some showed solidarity, you know. Uh, in a circle last night. I mean, there's a lot of issues going on, and I'm not sure how much that impacts, but um, I think it's still part of the discussion, even today. I mean, the COVID, the BLM, last night's, uh, or yesterday's you know, situation at the Capitol. Uh, I mean, the world is in a crazy place. And basketball, I was sitting there last night thinking, okay, I've got to find my mood, too, uh, to try to do this. And I think it it impacts, PK. I really do. I think some of the things going on impacts, but fans don't want those excuses. I think that's the point is that it still is that getaway entertainment escape from what we're dealing with. And then when you see your team, the roller coaster that we all, you know, we all ride heck, man, the Chiefs up and down. Well, most of the, you know, that's my team, as you guys know, and you know it's 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 something you you hope every time they hit the field or the floor they're going to win if that's your team and you do ride the highs and lows and sometimes you forget that the players ride highs and lows too and i think that's just where we are in society right now no excuses but I, i think these guys are having some problems focusing and you hope you hope they find a way you hope they do
0: so we have had some uh, some of our listeners point out, hey, uh, Miami, Portland, Denver, Utah, I'm leaving somebody out, uh, all, uh, Toronto, all underachieving Toronto. right now. All teams right. that have been to a conference final or an NBA final in the last two years, and the Jazz aren't in that club. Uh, But nonetheless, they've been a playoff team. And that these teams are underachieving, is there something about the short offseason, lack of a training camp, what's going on in the world? Why? The NBA is not perfectly predictable, but it's ballpark predictable. We know who's great. We know who's good. We know who's average. And there's a couple surprises. But to have five teams underperforming like this, that's weird.
2: Yeah, and then you got some other teams overperforming. I mean, look what you know New York's done. They've won, you know, five of their last six and three in a row. And Tom Thibodeau's a rookie coach. Uh, you know, look what Brooklyn's done with Steve Nash. I mean, you expect with the talent level they have. But still, without Durant is my point. Is that they play on? That's the depth uh, that they show. The Jazz are five hundred ball club, four and four. And you know, Donovan said last night that there's a. To get off to a slower start, fans know that. But I think, again, DJ, when you come talking about the Jazz specifically, there is no really transition for them this year. The only change was Derek Favors, per se, uh, and a couple of draft picks and a free agent um, and Shaq Harrison. Bottom line is the reason why I think Dennis and the Jazz kind of stayed this way was really they had to sign two of their cornerstone players, right? And they got phased back and, and signed Jordan Clarkson. Um, the point is that they felt comfortable that that transition you speak of wasn't going to be at a high level. They know, they know each other. The the whole system is in place. And maybe that's why the surprise of, of the way the Jazz are playing because, look, Joe Knows favors, Joe Knows Rudy. Mike Conley's adjusted now from his time in Memphis, and so there was no plan for any type of slow start out of the gate. They I think that I think a lot of people felt like the Jazz would be ahead of the game because they knew they knew each other. Look, they're 4 and 4. They're not one and, you know, one and 7, but still I think what we we've watched is the surprise of the turnovers. And the inability to be as consistent uh, as Donovan is keeps saying, we got to find out who we are and be that. And I think that's those are surprising comments from a team that really should know each other because they kind of dedic- they hang their hat on being tight, close locker room, uh, good, you know, good friends, and that that does make you kind of scratch your head, wondering why they haven't. Uh, uh, they haven't found that that consistency that we're all you know waiting to see.
3: So you talk about that good friendship. We were discussing this in a prior time. It's uh, sometimes you need some guys to take the lead and have tough conversations. Is Donovan Mitchell at that point where you think he can do that?
2: Well, I know he's that's another great observation, PK. Look, he's a friendly guy. He's a motivator. He's a, he, he'll pat you on your on your butt, your head, whatever you need to just uh, you know get you over the hump. But, you know, you bring up a good point. Who's the nasty? Uh, who's the guy that can really close the door and, and and sit down and say, "Hey, this isn't the way it should be." You know, I, that's that's something uh, that this team is tight, and that may be one of the, the lacking features is having the bad guy. Who can step it up? Maybe is that Coach Q's, um, you know, role? Most likely. The the door was shut for a long time last night. And, of course, the coach uh, is a guy that has to talk the talk. Um, I think you have a leader in Donovan, but at the same time, you know, how nasty does it have to get sometimes where you have to, you know, call a player out or tell it the way it is? and pk you know i'm not behind those doors uh i wish i could be sometimes but that's that private area that very few ever get to reach and uh you know my my comments are really just what i see uh, when we when we when we did travel or when i got a chance to talk to guys and you really get to know them better on the road and that's just not happening right now
0: both the statues could do it couldn't they it's not bad. Uh, yeah. to have more than one guy. Both those guys yeah. could chew on a teammate when necessary.
2: Absolutely, and you know that was something that was uh, you know part of it. One did it in a different way than the other. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. and that was um, that's why there's two. That's why there's two statues out there because they don't. They both played the game and approached it totally different, but achieved you know such greatness, individual greatness, and you know the team titles did not come into two incredible runs against Chicago, but the two themselves individually achieved uh, achieved greatness in this league.
3: Yeah, they did. See, in my mind, I think even though it's a, probably a little bit earlier than usual, I think Mitchell has the cachet to be able to say what he wants because he's got the game, and it's yeah. clear that he's the franchise player. Go Bears right there, too. But if you're going to take one guy, you're going to take Mitchell, and so, and you listen to him talk in his post games, and I always like to listen to him because at least when he does those now they're Zoom, he's saying things that I want to hear. You know, after the Knicks loss, he's saying, "Well, we got to just do it, man." We got, basically, you know, paraphrasing the, my interpretation of it anyway was, you know, "We can talk to we're blue in the face, but now we got to go do it." So I think that he's reached that level of stardom or whatever you want to call it to where if he's got something to say to the team, he ought to say it. Yeah. You know what I found, too,
2: in these Zoom conference or Zoom interviews, PK, that you know the media is allowed to dial into is that he's never dodged a question. And I do respect the hell out of that in the sense that his age is to just take it, speak the truth, and put it out there. And if he has to, he'll put it on himself with no hesitation. You've heard the same. Both of you guys have heard the same thing I have. And I, I find that refreshing because the guy is able to talk about himself and what the team has to do. And maybe that does translate then on into the locker room. But, but you know what your point was? To what degree? You know, it does, can you say it? Or does it have to be a forcible a forcible type of voice Word, are the words enough to let the other, the other 11 or 12, 13, 14 guys in that locker room decide how they're going to play? You know, Donovan, every, every every leader can only say so much. It basically comes down to the rest of the team on how they're going to approach the game. I, mean, I know Clarkson, you could tell, body language last night, frustrated. And, uh, you know, the way that he plays on the floor, I think, is, is the way he delivers his message. Uh, and everyone, you know, Stockton was different. He was a quiet assassin, didn't like the media. Malone would speak and and be the soundbite of the day. Uh, and that's just the two different comparisons, and everybody does, I think, approach the game differently. And the way they lead, right? And uh, I think Donovan is your go-to guy, PK, no question. The way that he handles the media, the way that he even talks about himself, uh, the beauty of Donovan, he doesn't back down from a question. Doesn't try to go around the corner. He pretty much takes it straight on and gives you a straight up answer.
0: All right, let's get to the truly important stuff now. What was up with the uh, with the kilt and Clarkson? What was going on there? You got any idea?
2: <laughs> I have no idea. You know what though? If there's one guy that can pull it off, he can't. PK, you could possibly do the kilt action. I, I just depends on your. Well, I have step. great
3: legs. I mean, one of my better qualities and i've got a lot of qualities that are outstanding physically if you get my drift <laughs> but legs right there legs number yeah, yeah. Do you have do
2: you have who 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 uh you know when people like uh, what was it the one lady on uh, the entertainment show um uh, that had her legs uh Mary Hart Mary Hart yeah, she had them insured. You don't you don't have your legs insured, do you?
3: yeah. It bothers me that DJ knew that in he's a heartbeat.
0: <laughs> I knew where he's going. And the way he delivered it. Mary yeah. hard.
3: You very knew hard. I did I had no idea where he was going, but DJ didn't miss a beat. He knew it instantly, yep. yeah. which really makes me a little nervous. <laughs> I, I like always thought it was Paul Azan he had the crush on. Uh, I think he just... He, he like on,
0: Paul is on on. personal, Mary Hart,
2: business. Business, okay. I think he just he likes entertainment shows, PK.
3: That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Jeez.
0: <laughs> How many years have I come back to my desk... And that music's been blaring after the 6 o'clock news. Oh, sure. Doesn't mean yeah. you need to watch it. No, I don't. I turn it off, but I still... no. I'm but you knew to that. I'm on to a game. Well, yeah, I mean, it's on for a couple minutes. The only thing I knew about
3: I Mary Hart is she sits in the first row of Dodger games. Yeah.
0: No, it was that you knew she had her legs insured. That I, was a Honestly, big story. if I did, I forgot it. That was a huge story.
3: I um, was going Vanna White.
0: Oh. <laughs> uh, so,
3: <laughs>
0: so on the local scene, you know who wore the kilt? And did it on TV, and did it in his famous stand-up, Rod Decker. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah, and it's out there. It's out there on YouTube or somewhere, a website. I forgot
2: it, Rod Decker. Yeah, Decker
0: did. We would never do anything to mm. uh, remove the dignity of local news. That's not exactly I want parental control on that one. But there was a, and it was a, it was a photographer with a handheld walking up to him, and he, we would never do anything to ruin the dignity of local news, and he's in there in a kilt. It was hilarious. Uh. I believe he was I, making a point. Yeah.
2: He was, always it makes a, a point. Yep. It wasn't a windy day. He was indoors. It was indoors. <laughs> okay, good. It was in the middle that, of the day. Makes, I'm resting easier now. That's good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right, Well, on to Milwaukee. On At to least Milwaukee. You're, you're better rested. You're better rested this year. Think of all the late night flights and 2.30 uh, a.m. hotel arrivals that you're not dealing with.
2: Yeah, but i got to be honest. It's a totally different game. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean you know, you're in an arena, Jumbotron, and it doesn't have the same feel, and we're trying to yep. do our best for the fans. And it's hard to explain, but I've got to tip my hat to the technology of what Travis and our, our crew and JB, you guys know them. Uh, they're, it's, it's a wonderment of how they're pulling this off uh, from – thousand miles away
0: but now you got to ad-lib on the ad-lib because the monster trucks are taking over the arena and i I walked in Um, i had no idea our engineer was working yesterday and there was stuff set up and i'm like what is going on because it didn't make any sense it's like we're setting all this stuff up like we can't have people in the arena i mean we're very aware of you know like there are both tv and radio there are rules people cannot be in the building so what could possibly be Oh wow! You're you're gonna you're gonna ad lib on the ad lib.
2: I'm hidden away uh, in a special place that I think may be. Well, all of us are in a special place, and we the biggest uh, concern or issue will be: Will you be able to hear the monster trucks rev their engines uh, on on certain, certain moments? But ah, it just know, adds I, to the flavor. Yeah, it does. <laughs> like, "What the heck's that?" That's what's that's the grave digger is, up there, you know.
3: Is the uh, the analyst because you always show the two screen? Uh, is the analyst there to where you can speak to him? Is or is it he's a w- a ways away? Because I would imagine re- that's got to be difficult have, for you. We
2: have some remote and some six feet away from me with a crew. People ask why the masks. Well, because it's like family. We. We're, I have a, a lot of people making this happen, and some are in the room and some are out, but we're close in proximity that we wear the masks uh, to protect each other. They protect me, I protect them. I had a lot of questions about that on Twitter, and it's just I haven't had a chance to really uh, address it. But since you brought it up, uh, we're all in close proximity, and so that's the reason why. Even though there is a split screen there, we try to have – you know, spacing, we still have a lot of people in small spaces pulling off this remote broadcast that we're doing. So out of respect um, uh, for even the fans we are in the stands, we're trying to uh, do the best job we can for them as well. And for us, bottom line.
0: Bowler, this has been an incredible appearance by you from Mary Hart's legs to a Gravedigger reference you really have touched them all. Hey,
2: I need the levity, man, and uh, it's been a good talk. I'm glad that uh, you were able to remember Mary Hart uh, and bringing talking kilts. I mean, that's a whole nother, another level. <laughs>
0: all right, as long as we don't have to talk turnovers again. Well, and we will, BK, we will at best some point. The part is bit. if
2: you can take us out with a little Tom Petty, man. Yeah! it make my day.
3: Well, this is for the Jazz going to Milwaukee. Now I won't back down. No I won't back down. You can stand me up at the gates of hell, but I won't back down. <laughs> Man, incredible. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah, that's that's what I'm talking about right there.
3: I got the phone, I'm waving
0: PK, I'm ready for the encore.
2: Yeah.
3: Hey, I got my on. Baby. <laughs> there ain't no easy way out. <laughs>
2: Pretty good. Nice, yeah. nice. I All right, like Bowler. All right, guys. Be good. Talk soon.
0: Craig Bowler Jack. Uh, Craig Bowler Jack. TV voice of the Utah Jazz. Join us right here on 97.5 five and twelve eighty. The Zone. There's a the TV voice of the Craig Bowler of Craig Bowler Jack coming up next. BYU has a new passing game coordinator, Fessy Sataki. The SUU. Star. Thunderbird, uh, former Weber State Wildcat coach. He's an assistant up there, a position coach, then the offensive coordinator, and then moved to BYU and getting promoted again. And still in his mid-30s, you know, still a young guy. Um, it'll be interesting to see where he is in, uh, in 10 years. We'll hear from him next. Stay with us.
1: Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. Good morning,
0: DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 the zone. So BYU is shuffling the coaching staff around with Jeff Grimes taking the offensive coordinator job at BYU. That leads to a promotion for Aaron Roderick and a promotion for Fessy Sataki. as Roderick goes from passing game coordinator to OC. And now Fessy Sataki gets to be the passing game coordinator. And, you know, by all accounts, a bright young coach. We don't get to interact with assistants very much. They are fairly well protected. Uh, but you do hear stuff. And uh, and he'll be out he'll be out in front a little more now as passing game coordinator I would expect um, and you do hear stuff and and you know we've heard he's he's a bright young coach with a good future. Uh We've done stuff and talked to Jay Hill. Jay Hill speaks highly of him, and he keeps moving up, keeps getting promotions. You know, people can say anything, but it's interesting what they say, but then it's always interesting to see if the actions match the words and back them up. And uh, he's just constantly getting better jobs and getting promotions. So, you know, somebody to keep your eye on, you know, over the next 5, 10, 15 years, where does his career go as a guy who's still still in his 30s and, and will be for a few years? So here's Fussy Sataki with the media.
4: I just asked A Rod this, and I'm curious about your what your day was like yesterday i mean you guys have been together as a staff mostly you know harvey stepped in for aj but for you know most the last couple of years and then to have everything kind of change in, in 24 hours what was your day like yesterday
5: it was crazy a lot of a lot of mixed emotions um you know with with departures obviously and and um promotions things changing it's just there, there's a lot and that's coupled with everything that's happened in the past with guys leaving and declaring and so that's it's been a really emotional uh, just last couple weeks, but yesterday just really happy for Coach Grimes. I mean, it, it was, um, you know, we, we weren't – I I wasn't super surprised that a lot of people were were coming after him, but I think, you know, anytime you're with someone for so long, even though you know that that reality is out there and that they could leave, um, you know, the fact that it happened is kind of where, you know, there was, there was a lot of shock there. Just super happy for him. He deserves it. I'm really excited for – for him, the opportunity he's going to have there, and and um, be rooting for those guys, you know, except one game. That's it.
4: What about your opportunity now? As you kind of adjust a little bit as passing game coordinator, as well as doing wide receivers and other things.
5: Yeah, I'm just just real fortunate to just to continue to try and help this this offense go. You know, a Rod is um, as the previous passing game coordinator um, was so awesome with me he was was allowed. You know, we collaborated a lot together. Um, you know, he was always great at, at um, you know, asking me things, my opinion on things. And so I, I, I was just blessed to be, you know, a part of the passing game. And that was that was just credit to, to, to A-Rod. And so, you know, now that I've gotten that title and, and um, you know, I'm probably just going to take an even more active role in that. And, and, you know, I don't think we'll skip a beat in terms of the passing game just because he's been so great, you know, incorporating um, – you know me in the past.
6: All right, let's go with Jay Drew, uh, Mitch Harper, and Jason Shepard.
4: Jesse, with losing uh, Dax from the receivers room, can you kind of sum up what what will be kind of the characteristics of the receivers you have coming back? Maybe uh, will you will there be any attrition? Just how will that room shape up? Obviously, Gunner and and Neil will be your your main guys, but who else? will be out there to fill Dax's shoes?
5: Um, You know, kind of the guys that were teed up, you know, so to speak, this this past season ready to go, Um, whether it was due to injuries from some others or or just their performance and them doing well, guys were Keanu Hill, Chris Jackson, uh, Cody Epps, Braden Cosper. Those were, were kind of the four main guys in any given week throughout the fall that were ready to go. You know, unfortunately, we didn't have to lean on a lot of those guys because uh, Dax, Gunner, Neil were able to to stay healthy. And um, you know, I, it, it, losing Dax is a, it's a we lose a lot of production, um, but we lost the way more last year with Micah Leva, and Talon leaving. Um, and the fact that these guys were able to step up is just a credit to their hard work. And, and I feel that we can do the same thing. We're going to miss Dax. So happy for him, unbelievable career. Um, but kind of as it's been here is, is next man up, you know, and, and see how they can roll. So Neil and Gunnar are definitely the staples, um, uh, moving forward and through spring and summer training and fall camp, we'll see who emerges as that, that solid three and, and, you know, other, other, uh, guys who might be able to rotate.
6: Fessy, is there a, a feeling of, of pressure between you and, and A-Rod to to deliver the similar results to what this offense did in 2020?
5: I think I, I kind of um, – in fall camp, I remember a pressure question being brought up. It was under uh, – under a. Uh, it was in, in a different way. But my feeling on pressure and coaching is if you don't feel pressure, you're not in a good place. And to me, that pressure is not coming – because we have to replicate a season or stats or certain, you know, those things will take care of itself. The pressure is, is, uh, comes from how much we want to give these guys, these players, uh, the opportunity to continue to see success. Cause that's what it's all about. It's about them. And, and so that pressures is, is stuff, you know, we're putting on ourselves the right type of pressure that keeps you motivated and going and, and thinking about that big picture, which is the players. What can we do to give these guys a great success, successful season, help them progress and, and accomplish their goals, you know, whatever that might be. So that's kind of where the pressure is coming from. Um, you know, not so much trying to trying to replicate anything that's happened in the past.
6: You know, what becomes the, the timeline or the next steps for the offensive staff between now and when spring ball starts in early March, what are the, kind of next course of action. Cause I know recruiting still in a dead period. What are what you guys doing between now and spring bowl? That's a
5: great question. That's a uh, A-Rod's pay grade. And I have not talked to him about it. We did have a staff meeting today, just about some housekeeping stuff. Um, and, but in terms of uh, our plan to get together and, and, the next step is is gonna be self scout. It's gonna be watching our season. It's gonna be talking about our future roster here in the spring, um and, and breaking down our season and, and talking about those things and when that happens in the dates, I'm not too sure and, and I'm sure um, you know Coach Arod will will let us know here real soon.
2: Fessy, you mentioned uh, the collaborative effort and Arod
0: mentioned it as well that everybody kinda has a voice in in certain things, how much does that empower you as a coach to to feel like
1: you your voice is being heard and you can see it on the field? How empowering is that as a coach?
5: It's critical. I I literally it sounds cheesy, but I wake up every day so excited to go to work. Like there, um, I I still can't believe I get to go to work and I get paid to just do what I love. And part of that is is it's not just the obvious passion I have for football it's the fact that I know my voice is going to be heard that people value me. And I know I speak for the rest of the coaches. That, that's, that's the culture. That's, that's there. And so what it does is it promotes this, this, um, it promotes the best versions of ourselves. When I go to work, I know my, my, my coworkers are getting the best version of me. Um, because I know my voice is going to be heard and it, and that stuff, it's motivating. And, and, uh, so I'm really fortunate. It's uh, you It know, starts at the top. Kalani's provided that culture and all the coaches. Coach Grimes did a great job at that, at, at being really collaborative and list, not just listening to what we have to say, but really considering things and implementing on. And I know A-Rod's going to do the exact same thing. I've seen her firsthand. And so I know I speak for the rest of the coaches that we all feel, you know, our, our opinion and our voices are valued. And that's a, that's, that's a very healthy thing to have in this profession.
7: Thanks, Fessy.
6: Um, Sean Walker and Jake
7: Hatch. Um, First of all, congrats, Fessy, on the uh, promotion. Can you kind of just walk us through a little bit um, what this new – kind of what this new role means for you, I guess. And, and maybe in particular, what it means in, we know that A-Rod's obviously following Grimey as the offensive coordinator. You're kind of following A-Rod as the passing game coordinator. So are you going to sort of lean a little bit on, on kind of that experience on what you've seen out of him and, and, and still working with him. And even though you technically, I guess, have a new position, although I don't know exactly how new it is, maybe you can kind of elaborate on that too.
5: Yeah, no, I'm sure. Yeah. It's a, I think it will be a pretty seamless transition. I I think I would love to come up with this magical answer of, of, of what this title slash promotion does for me. But truthfully, I think, I think, like I said, I just, I'm going to have a more active role now in the passing game. Like, you know, everything. And and because I worked with, with a rod, um, you know, it'd be different if, if, you know, he was, he was um, completely involved in the run game last year. So, it's. It's. I don't think there's going to be much of a, a beat that's going to be skipped. You know what I mean? It's. It's. It, I just. I guess I just have more of an active role is the best way to, to put it uh, in the passing game. And um, A. Rod already did a great job last year at, at using me a ton, and so I kind of. I kind of know what to expect now. And uh, how those details, though, in terms of what that. That that, that entails, we haven't really you know hashed out yet. Everything's happened so quick, and so if there are new things that are going to be expected of me as a of the last couple years, I know A Rod has kind of all those things figured out. We just haven't talked about it yet.
7: Just really quickly to follow up, is one of those details uh, whether or not A Rod's going to kick you off of the field and move you up to the booth, or have you not talked <laughs> about that yet?
5: <laughs> uh, you know, I don't, I don't know what that. I, I think he's going to. Um, A Rod likes to be, be behind the scenes, and so if he wants me to come join him behind the scenes, I'll be happy. But if he wants me to stay on the field and push that threshold of, of unsportsmanlike penalties by yelling at the refs, I'll be more than happy to do that as well. So,
7: <laughs> Fessy, I wanted to ask you, we, you, you obviously have former coordinator experience at Weaver State, etc. but I
0: wanted to ask how different of a coach you feel like you are today versus what you were when you came to BYU.
5: Uh, so much different. Um, and, and that's in the best way possible. I've, I've just inquired, you know, more – I just have more knowledge. I've acquired more knowledge from brilliant minds. You know, I leaned on Steve Clark a lot as a player and as a, as an assistant coach underneath him. Um, but he's a way better version of, of himself than when I was leaning on him. And so, you know, it's, it's just, it's been so, so humbling for me to, um, to be in a room and to be around a program that I, I can just keep learning. I feel like I'm such a, such a better version um, of myself. That's what I love about this game. Um, no one's ever fully arrived, and so I just I feel a lot more um, secure in my role as a as a football coach um, at the Division one level, and um, all of that is just a credit to coaches I've learned from and, and players allowing to be allowing me to be myself as a coach. Right,
6: um, Matt Biamonte and Jay Drew.
5: Uh, Fessy, this is another uh, passing game coordinator question, but when you talk about having influence in the passing game, are we talking, is this play design, is this philosophy in terms of taking shots downfield, being aggressive? Just, I guess I'm just asking you, where do you think you'll put in, uh, a specific imprint on the
7: the passing aspect of the, of the, the offense?
5: Yeah, it, it's a good question, and I'll try and um, not give you such a loaded answer, but... Really, anything that has to do with throwing the ball, any situational part of the field, red zones, third downs, um, base down passing game, anything that has to do with throwing the ball, um, that's that's kind of the job description of a pass game coordinator is in, on a week-to-week basis, um, it's on me to take it to A-Rod and say, hey, these are going to be our best passing concepts, and this is the reason why. And a lot of those things, he's already going to know. And a lot of it's just going to be confirmation. There might be something that might give him good insight where he's like, you know, what? okay, I see that. There might be something where he says, you know what, I, I disagree with you on that. And that's where, you know, that's where the collaboration comes in. And that's kind of what we've been doing to this point. And so I think that's kind of what it entails is just and any, anything that has to do with the passing game, um, that's kind of going to be uh, my job, my role. Um, is to give confirmation or, or insight as to, to what I think we should do and why.
4: Fessy, my uh, question has pretty much all, already been answered, but I was going to ask how involved will you be as far as choosing the starting quarterback or will that be A-Rod's call completely?
5: Yeah, it'll be completely his call. And, and, a rod, as he's always done, will 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 lean on other coaches just for their insight, uh, whether he has his mind made up or not, or whether he wants it. He's just he's done great with that stuff. So, but he's going to make that call, and I won't be surprised if he if he um, you know inquires about it. Everyone else's opinion.
6: All right. Any other questions for Coach today? Um, Mitch Harper. Yeah, Fessy, I um, might need some time to to get more familiar with this group on a day-in, day-out basis, but I'm curious about the tight end since you'll be more obviously involved with that passing game. Isaac Rex comes back, and he was fantastic as a freshman, but uh, that's a room that I think on, on the surface it would seem like that could be a group that can help alleviate the loss of Dax Mill. What do you maybe think of, of the tight ends that are returning to help with that passing attack you guys will have next year?
5: Yeah, they're they're only going to get better. We saw we saw so much out of them, and Coach Clark has done an unbelievable job with that room. And I think we're just going to continue to see be- better versions of them. And and that's without you know the addition of guys like Dallin Holker, Chase Roberts is going to come back and and could you know add some value as well. And so that that tight end room is there's a lot of weapons in there, and there's a lot of um, you know types of personalities, skill sets, bodies that that we can continue to 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 be multiple on offense and give defenses a hard time. And that, that happens at the tight end position. We have enough receiving threats there. We have we have enough maulers. They're smart. So they're, they're as critical part of a role as anyone in our offense and what we're able to do. And, um, you know, I'm super excited about their production and their production they're, uh, they're going to continue to give our
6: offense. And you mentioned, just a quick follow-up, you mentioned Chase Roberts. Will he be... Uh, enrolled in this winter semester, or is he is he going to be available for spring ball? How how is that going to work? Yeah.
5: No, he he'll he'll uh, join us in the summer. Um, getting back in, in shape and everything, so he he uh, gets home around March, I believe, um, and will join us in the summer. So excited for him! All right, thanks.
6: Mario right, let's take the last question from Jared Lloyd.
4: Yes, you touched on this a little bit, just about the 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 coaching carousel and things changing a lot during this time of year. I guess there's still a possibility. I don't know how what the possibility are that there'll be changes moving forward for the offensive staff. But how big? How do you describe how big it is to have the coaching continuity? Be able to have the you know the the same guys doing a lot of the same things.
5: It's it's um, it's critical. Um, you know, I compare it to the players and, and leaving for the NFL, for example, if you go back before a season last year, our, our our biggest asset we had was experience and continuity. And I think what we saw a lot of this year was a product of that of chemistry and experience. Um, and, and that's why I thought we were so successful, you know, in all phases of the game, um, and guys leave. And we had guys who had a chance to stay and guys who declared early and that happens. And the same thing is with coaching. Um, it's a luxury to be able to maintain a staff for a certain amount of time. Um, because of those very same reasons you see when a team is successful and, and can guys leave and and go, go chase other opportunities. And is it going to happen? Yeah, it does. But we still have major um, stability here and we have a lot of continuity and experience and chemistry. Um, and that's why I'm, I'm super excited, you know, for the opportunity of our, our whole offensive staff and our team, um, it, it's for that very reason. There's still a lot of experience coming back, and so it, it creates for a great opportunity to continue to, to keep momentum going.
0: There's Fessy Sataki with the media. All right, DJ and PK get a little uh, earful there from the new passing game coordinator. We're going to take a break, come back with what is trending on a Friday. Big weekend, a lot of NFL playoff games to look ahead to, some college basketball to look ahead to, and obviously the Jazz playing tonight in Milwaukee and Sunday in Detroit. So we'll get to all of that coming up next on 97.5 1280 The Zone.